Amen and amen. Well, some of you uh, may be aware that there is a group of us uh, that are leaving on Tuesday to head over to the Holy Land. We are so excited. If you are uh, joining us on that trip, if you could just raise your hand. I know we've got a, a few folks. Here, I'm looking at Randy to raise his hand. There we go. <laughs> And uh, the Hicks are over here. There is a group of 40 of us uh, that are going to journey uh, over there again, departing on Tuesday. We'll arrive uh, on Wednesday. And we are just getting so excited for our trip. It's hard to believe. We've been planning for a year, and the time has come. And I want to invite you along on our trip. I wish you all could fit in the luggage, right? Uh, but you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, each day, we're going to uh, share posts of the different uh, places that we visit. It's gonna take us, we leave on Tuesday, we will arrive on Wednesday, you know how that time travel goes. Uh, and Thursday, we will start out uh, on our adventures. We just wanna encourage you to follow the church's Facebook page, to uh, just to follow our adventures. And I would encourage you just to pray for us as well as we are over there. Uh, there is some unrest, as we know, uh, over in Iran, uh, but we are uh, sure that, that things are safe over there. When I uh, traveled a couple of years ago, felt very safe as well. So, uh, but just excited about that and ask that you would keep us in prayer. And again, invite you to follow us on Facebook uh, to see what we're up to over there. It's gonna be a seven hour time difference. Uh, so some of you may be looking at this while you're eating lunch like, Wow, their day's already over, and uh, it will be in some sense. So this morning, it is good to be with you. We are continuing, can't talk this morning, in our, uh, our sermon series, Margin. And this morning, I'm going to talk about resetting the margins and what that means in our lives. Uh, when, I, when I think of the word margin, there's a couple things that, that come to my mind, and, and I actually looked up to see what uh, Webster's defines margin as. And it says, space around a printed page, an amount allowed available, what is expected. Uh, it's a border or an edge. So we understand we've got margins on paper. Uh, we use the word margin in a variety of ways. Margins can be good, margins can be bad, uh, but they ultimately define a type of space. Some of us in this room have been affected by cancer uh, personally, or we know someone else that has been affected by uh, cancer. And when uh, the doctors go to test the tissues or biopsy the tissues, uh, they're being tested uh, to see if there's any cancer there. But also, you want to hear the words, the margins are clear. We want clear margins. One of the... Uh, the the, the, uh, one of the most important things, or not most important, but the things that comes to my mind most often when I think of margin is typing. And I remember taking typing class on a typewriter. Anybody else take typing on a typewriter? I'm in good company, right? And, and I remember we'd have to, to manually set those margins is how we, how we had to set the margins. And now we just have a computer that does it all for us, right? Oh, I'd like this wide margin, narrow margin. And it's so much easier than it used to be. And I'm going to confess to you, I hated typing class. I absolutely hated typing class. I didn't do well. I got a D. I'm just going <laughs> to confess it now. How you get a D in typing is beyond me. And, and so I said to myself, I'm not going to worry about this because I'm not going to need this skill anyway. Ha. <laughs> huh. I spend most of my day on a keyboard. And we'll see what, what I would get today, right? What my letter grade would be today. Thank goodness for autocorrect, right? It makes it like, oh, she really doesn't know how to spell. But uh, so yeah, we spend a lot of our time uh, on, on keyboards and margins are a big part of our life. Some of us have little or no margin in our schedules. Our calendars are so full from sun up to past sundown. We just don't have any space. 
And then I got to thinking about Jesus as we read the stories of the Bible. He was all over the place, teaching and preaching and healing, uh, traveling from town to town, and he made time to stop to talk to a lot of people. Yet throughout the scriptures, uh, he took time to rest and abide. It wasn't work, 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 teach, 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 heal, heal, heal. He took time to rest and abide. Here are these words from uh, Mark 1.35. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, The next morning Jesus got up long before daylight, and he left the house while it was dark, and he made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer. You see, whether they realized it or not, Jesus was always teaching his disciples, whether it was through words or whether it was through actions. I would imagine uh, that the disciples, they were task-oriented too. They had their to-do list, if you would, like we do today. And, and the disciples, they listened to him, and they watched Jesus' every move. And Jesus often retreated to pray. He modeled for the disciples how to make room for margin, how to make room for margin and set aside time each day to abide with the Father. We uh, have talked about this idea of, of rest and work. You see, God designed us that our work is fueled from our rest and our abiding. John Wesley's mother, Susanna, uh, she gave birth to 19 children. I can't even imagine giving birth to 19 children. And because of the, the time, um, in history, only 10 of those children survived. And, and let's face it, if you've got 10 kids in the house, there's nowhere to hide. There is nowhere that you can go that one of those 10 kids is not going to find you. And, and then it was said that during her quiet time, her prayer time, her time of abiding with the Father, uh, with God, that, that, that she would have this apron on uh, that she would wear during the day, and, and she would cover her face with that apron. She would cover her face with that apron. And, and this was a sign to her children that not to disturb her. And she had modeled the importance of spending time with God and her children. That was her prayer time, uh, her, her quiet time when that apron was up. And she had this tremendous spiritual influence on both John and Charles Wesley, founders of the Methodist movement. You see, our culture, it fuels and it rewards busyness. We think the busier the better, and, and that was never God's plan. I found myself in uh, years past when uh, someone would say to me, how are you? And I would say, oh, I'm busy, which was true, but I want to be busy all the time. It's exhausting. I don't know about you, but it's exhausting to be busy all the time. So over the past couple of years, I've taken time, and I've made margin, if you will, to rest and abide with the Father. You see, that resting and abiding has been fruitful, and I find myself wanting more, and there is more, and God wants that more for you. You see, God created uh, a family, a family, created for relationship with the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a, a reason that we start out the Lord's Prayer with our Father. It's a family. Family, our identity is wrapped up in God, and we are made in his image. So we have the opportunity to reset our margins. It's never too late. We can reset our margins. I want to share an image with you. Uh, you will find up here. It's an image of, of resting and abiding, and it's foundational to our faith. It's, it's where we grow. It's where we're fueled to do the work. It's what he's called us to do. 
So we have this image of resting and abiding with Christ, having that quiet time. If you will, think of that Susanna Wesley with that apron up, that you're in time with the Father, listening to what he has to say to you. And then the pendulum swings to this side, to our work, where we have fruitfulness and where we are living where God wants us to live. We're resting and we're growing. And out of that comes this work comes this work. I want to share uh, two metaphors with you uh, for this idea of, of rest and work. Uh, picture with me an image of a swing. Many of us, we, we, were, uh, we would swing when we were little kids. We've got children that are on the swings. And if we want to gain that momentum, what do we have to do? We go back, right? We take our breath. Look, I'm going to go right off the edge. And there she goes. Uh, but we want to go back in order to go forward, right? So you get that momentum going. So you can swing as high as you can, but you've got to go back to do it. So that's the imagery uh, that, that I want you to think about in terms of, of resting and abiding uh, in contrast uh, with our work and fruitfulness. You've got to go back to be able to go forward, to be able to soar higher. Uh, I'm in a group uh, that we talk about uh, different uh, shapes, uh, images like this, and so we were talking about different metaphors, so that's where the swing came from. And then there was another one uh, that came out as well of this resting and abiding uh, in, in relation to our work. And I, I uh, like to drink wine every once in a while, and I discovered a lot of folks in my group like to drink wine, and so uh, one person shared this metaphor of wine. And it's, you know, when wine is first made, it's just not instantly good. It has to rest, right? It has to rest and abide before it can be uh, fully uh, ready to be enjoyed, uh, to really to bear fruit. So that wine has to rest. And some of you may be saying, I cannot believe she's talking about wine as an illustration in church. And Jesus is probably like this. But it's going to help you to remember that it's important to rest and abide in order to bear fruit. So how we pray, Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. One of the many ways that we know Jesus is through prayer, through quieting our minds, and opening ourselves to hearing him. Um, I have been practicing uh, posturing. How do we posture ourselves in our prayer time? And it's a new concept for, for some of us. But, but we typically pray from heaven to earth, right? We're down here, God's up here, and we have this, this uh, vertical prayer that goes up to heaven. But how could your prayer life be different if you pray from heaven to earth? If you pray from heaven to earth to see what God sees. It's a different concept from heaven to earth to see what God sees. Uh, in, in my uh, prayer time, I will reflect on scripture and place uh, myself in scripture, for example. So I, I love the image of uh, Mary and Martha and how they sit at Jesus' feet. And, and we know the story of Mary and Martha, right? Martha is running around. Everything has to be perfect. Do, 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 do. Busier is better. But Mary, Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. And a lot of times in my, in my prayer uh, time, I will, I will place myself in scripture and I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his every word. And receiving what it is that he has to say to me. Or the woman at the well. And we know this is so controversial. 
uh, the woman at the well and how Jesus uh, offers her a drink of, of water from, or she offers him a drink and he offers her a drink of, of living water from the well, telling uh, him, right? She's telling him all the things that she's done wrong. It's this time of, of confession. And, and I find myself at the well. Jesus, these are the, these are the things that I've done wrong. These are the places that I've messed up. And I, and I hear Jesus saying to me, I know, I know um, what, what you're telling me, what you're not telling me, and I want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. There's a lot of us uh, that need to take that time and, and visit the well and to engage in that relationship with Jesus. Uh, scripture talks about a place, a secret place, and secret places of Scripture where we go to abide with the Father, to be able to hear his voice, to hear his voice. We have a new vision that uh, we're, we're going to uh, really start rolling out in this next year. And our vision is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Another image that I want to share with you uh, up here, I want to uh, share this scripture with you. John 15, 4, remain in me and also as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Similar idea as the other semicircle, but this knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. So when we abide, those are the times where we come to really know Jesus. And then out of that, we grow and we bear fruit to make Jesus known to those around us. So important, this semicircle, that we rest and abide. And then out of that bears the fruit. See, if, if we live over here all the time, which this is where the world wants us to live, you just need to be busy all the time and you just need to be bearing all fruit all the time. No, we've got to take time to be with our Heavenly Father. It's so important. It's what fuels our faith. It's what fuels our energy in the world. Uh, again, the world wants us to stay over here lopsided and it doesn't work that way. And as we know Jesus and as we make Jesus known, it's important that we understand and live in the rhythm of this. And some of you might be saying, that means I can have a glass of wine. Absolutely, you can have a glass of wine. Have a glass of wine with your father. Have a glass of wine with your father. You see, our, our relationship with the Father changes when we pray from heaven to come down to touch earth, to impart gifts to us, for supernatural healings, for miracles to happen, to hear his voice, to see him in our circumstances. I uh, have been reading a book, it's called Called to Rain by uh, Leif Hetland, and there's a, an image of, of three chairs that I want to share with you this morning. Jeff, you can go ahead and take that off if you want. Uh, three chairs. I'm going to describe these chairs to you. Chair one, it's a throne, okay? And, and we've seen thrones before, and I'm so caught up in this whole Harry and Meghan nonsense that I've been seeing a lot of thrones, right? Um, but have this image of and I, I imagine it with red velvet, and it's got ornate uh, wood carvings on the chair. It's got a high back, right? So you can sit up straight in this throne. And the thing about this throne is that God has one for each and every one of us. We each have a throne. I want to share some characteristics of this throne. You see, on this throne, we are rooted in your identity as a son or a daughter of the Most High as you sit on this throne. And you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you experience God's grace without having to perform or try to please him. And as you sit in this chair, the throne chair, you experience acceptance and rest in God. Rest in God. 
and you hear the Father's voice, and you know and trust that he's going to guide you. You aren't just trying to get to heaven from earth, but you want to bring heaven to earth. And you remember that in your prayer time and in your perspective and the manner in which you seek God. Hear these words from Psalm 91. One, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. In Ephesians 2, 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, the throne, the throne. And, and then we have a second chair. And some of you may have this chair in your home. I have one of these chairs in my home. It's a comfy recliner. Oh, my goodness, it's like a big hug. Uh, when you sit in it, and it puts your feet up, and you can sit back, and it's just uh, so comfy and cozy. And sometimes there's just nothing better than sitting in your recliner. But I want to describe a little bit uh, about this chair in context of what we're talking about this morning. This comfy recliner can be a kingdom of self. You have a tendency to live for God rather than living from God. Hear that again. You have a tendency to live for God rather than living from God. And we've all sat in this chair at some time or another, and some of us still do. And you put pressure on yourself to perform because it's what you do that makes you who you are. You're trying to believe the right way in order to behave the right way in order to belong. You're trying to become something because you have forgotten your identity. Worship is about whether or not uh, you like the music or the sermon, and the focus is on your satisfaction and not God. You see, we all come to worship, to praise and to worship God every Sunday. Hear these words from Mark 8, 34. He says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow and then we have chair three. And I want you to imagine with me a simple, unsupported, crooked stool, kind of wobbly. In this chair sit the lost, living in a world without Jesus. People looking for love, security, value, significance, and purpose. You see, these things, they can't be found in money, accomplishments, or job titles. And whatever people serve, that's what they worship. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I like to think of this illustration that I just shared with you as musical chairs. Many of us have played musical chairs uh, in this room, and the music starts to play, right? And you have to try to find your seat. But for us, as the music starts to play, we have this awareness of the world, and we realize in a moment's notice that these are the chairs that we all have sat in in one point of our lives. And we know that when the music stops, that we land on a chair. And sometimes we're half on one and half on another. I'll let you think about that, right? Half on one, half on another. And you're pushing your way, right, to claim your seat so you don't get left out of the game. When I think of this illustration in these three chairs, I think that most of us as believers take up residency in chairs one and two. One and two. Right in the middle of two chairs. But by the grace of God, the music continues to play. And we have the opportunity to change seats 
and move closer until we are sitting in chair one. Friends, you are called to reign, called to reign. You're here today for a reason. A question for you to ponder for yourself. Do you know about God or do you know God? There's a difference. And what chair do you sit in? Honestly, what chair do you sit in? And what chair do you want to sit in? You have a heavenly father, creator of heaven and earth, and he wants you to know him. Not just about him, but his son Jesus. He's made a tremendous sacrifice for you and for me. And the amazing person of the Holy Spirit, who is always there to whisper in your mind, heart, and soul. And he brings this heat that will light you on the inside and fill you with the power of Jesus. So you've come here today. And this message is for someone here today. Maybe you, maybe someone that's sitting near you, or someone in your life. He's come to draw near to you. Won't you draw near to him? You see, God created us for relationship with him and each other. And this happens in our abiding and in our resting in him and in community with others. So how are you going to create margin in your life for God? No that he's waiting for you. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. And God, we want to take a moment to open up our hearts and our minds and our souls. As we take this moment in worship to abide in you. And I pray that we would feel the presence of your Holy Spirit. And God, I ask in this moment that you would share with us individually, personally, a word. A word of encouragement for those that are sitting here in this space who've come to worship and praise you, that you would speak to them. So God, in this moment, I pray that minds would be opened, hearts would be opened, and that your spirit would fall. God, speak to us in this space with a word that you have for us today. We hunger for you, Lord. Jesus, we sit at your feet, just like Mary. We sit at your feet. God, we thank you for this time. God wants more of this and more of us. So continue to seek him with your whole heart. 
and to claim your legacy as royalty. To be seated on the throne in heavenly places. God, we long for more of you. And we thank you that you speak to us. God, I pray that we would embrace the discipline of resting and abiding with you and have balance in our lives. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us, Jesus, and the eternal life that one day we will receive. But in the meantime, you walk each and every day with us, so we thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, our creator, Jesus, our redeemer, and the Holy Spirit in whom we take shelter. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.